Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, everybody? It's Lux of Royal Deluxe. And although we really do our best to love these Royals, let's admit it, we're all just kind of holding out for football season to finally start so we can get back to seeing some winning sports in KC again, you know? And you could actually see it for yourself in person because the Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to any week one NFL game of your choice with a value up to $5,000. And yes, any week one NFL game of your choice. So you don't like the Chiefs, don't want to go see the Chiefs, don't live near the Chiefs. All right, fine. Go see the Ravens, go see the Broncos. We don't care. We're just giving away tickets to bring you to games. For a chance to win, all you have to do is go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. That's it. That's all you have to do to be registered to win four free tickets to any week one NFL game of your choice. That's contest.fansfirstsports.com, and we hope to see you at the game on opening week. Contest ends on September 4th. the song actually goes oh well good morning afternoon evening to all of you wonderful ladies gentlemen and everyone else listening this is the royal deluxe podcast a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the kansas city royals every monday and friday as part of the fans first sports network thank you very much for listening i'm lux at least that's what i keep telling people and um a sudden announcement this is going to be um disappointing to you all but uh, this is the last episode of the podcast that I will uh, be doing. Yeah. See, here's what's going on. On Tuesday, I was at a metal show because I enjoy having my body destroyed. And I got not only punched in the head, but also kicked in the head. It was awesome. And as I was walking out of the venue, I got a phone call. You're not going to believe who it was. It was Brian Cashman, the general manager of the New York Yankees. He actually wants to call me up to the major leagues and start playing first base. That's right. I'm going to be the starting first baseman for the New York Yankees this weekend. I am so excited, dude. Look, I, I love doing this podcast and I love you all, but th- you have to understand, this is such a huge opportunity. I can't say no to this. I'm going to miss you all, but I'm just really excited about this. Uh... uh... Who's calling me? It's 5 in the morning. Hello, Michael Farina, starting first baseman for the New York Yankees. How can I help you? Uh-huh. 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 Okay. Well, it. Uh, I just got a call from Rob Manfred, commissioner of baseball. It turns out that they're canceling the entire rest of the season because Shohei Otani tore his UCL, so there's just no reason to play baseball. Well, that's unfortunate. I guess I have to do this podcast now. 
Could be worse, I guess. Anyway, you can keep up with my uh, failed hopes and dreams at the MF and KC. Or if you don't care about that at all, then just go to Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter or X or whatever they want to call it uh, for actual baseball talk. But uh, not my prospect journey in the New York Yankees system or anything. Also, a uh, shout out. I Lots of like weird tangents and skits and shout outs to, to, on this one. But I was also on the Royals Rundown podcast, the Royal Rundown podcast. Is it Royal Rundown or Royals Rundown? You know, the the, the Royals naming conventions for all of the, uh, you know, Royals content and, and podcast stuff, it's so inconsistent. Like, 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 I'm singular. I think Royal Rundown is singular, but Royals Weekly is, is plural. Very confusing. Anyway, Royal Rundown Podcast or the Royals Rundown Podcast, whichever one it shows up as. That was the podcast I was on. I talked a lot about some stadium stuff and other things going on with the Royals. So there might be some stuff that I'm not going to talk about too heavily on this podcast, like the stadium stuff. Very important, but I talked about it a lot with my friends over at the Royal or Royals Rundown Podcast. But still, I will um, say some things about the new stadium stuff that the Royals released their renderings for the two official sites that they have circled. Um, they, they, they've finally pinned down where exactly they want to go. Should they go to Jackson County or Clay County? Whatever. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about, th- we'll talk about the, those stadium updates. And also, something I want to talk about is Salvador Perez may be going to the White Sox. I'll kind of be like a, like, like that guy on the Nintendo Direct where they like show a new slide and then he asks the question, Salvador Perez to the White Sox? You know, have this like catchy little question to get you intrigued about their new game or something. Cause, uh, you know, they're, everybody's just so excited about the White Sox right now. Everybody wants to know what what's going on over there. And also uh, talk about Alec Marsh a little bit. We'll talk about Cole Reagans. I'm oh, sorry, Coke Reagans a little bit. And then we've got a three-game series against the Seattle Mariners this weekend that we have to preview. So let's get into that good old stadium discussion, something everybody loves to talk about, but nobody actually seems to want. <laughs> yeah, so the Royals, they finally... <laughs> This is, like, ridiculous to me, and it's hilarious. I didn't even mention this last time, I and I should have. I look like an idiot for doing this, but I said this was going to happen, okay? So the Royals, like, like immediately after I uploaded Monday's episode, the Royals were like, hey, by the way, we're going to drop those uh, renderings, and we're going to announce exactly – we're going to announce the final locations of our, you know, stadium plans and all that. We're going to do that tomorrow. They did that, like, right after I uploaded the podcast, and so I went – all of Monday, I, I did that podcast without making any mention of that, which see, might seem weird because that's a really important thing, so I, I feel like I should have mentioned. But I said this was going to happen because the Royals did this a month ago. One month ago, they're like, by the way, guys, we have no new information about the stadium. We'll come back in a month and give you that information. And I'm like, why do you just freaking wait until you actually had something to say? Because this was during, like, the worst stretch of the season. We didn't have anything worth talking about positively about the Royals. Bobby Witt Jr. hadn't exactly set the world on fire yet. The Royals didn't have their streak yet. It was just disaster all around. And so John Sherman comes out of nowhere and is like, Hey guys, we'll come back in a month and we'll tell you uh, exactly where you know we'll we'll give you those the, the stadium stuff and all that. It's like no one cares, bro. No one wants to hear this right now. Come back when you actually have something of substance to say. And I and I said no one's going to remember this. No one is going to rem- like no one is circling on their calendars the exact date the Royals are going to unveil their official stadium renderings or whatever. Everybody's just going to forget about this. And which which and they did because I forgot about it and I talk about the Royals every freaking day. I completely forgot when this was supposed to happen and everybody else forgot too because the Royals had to come out and make a, rem- a reminder of it. Like, by the way, guys, remember when we said we were going to do this? Yeah, we're, we're going to do it tomorrow. It's like, why did they even make a mention of it last month? Pointless. Ridiculous. I would have preferred it if they just came out and said, hey, by, hey, by the way, like, sorry, everything's so bad right now, but look, here... Here's a new stadium stuff. We actually worked on it. Okay, we've been working on this. Okay, cool. Fair enough. And it's like even more confusing to that that it's taken them so long to get to all of this because 
The downtown stadium rendering is basically the exact same rendering they showed us last year. There are very, very small changes that were made to the rendering they announced last year, which I honestly didn't even think was supposed to be a like an official sort of thing. I thought it was like, you know, someone went into their AI art program and was like, computer, make a Royals-themed baseball stadium in a vaguely downtown setting and also make it look futuristic. But also, if you were in like 2005, kind of like how Windows Vista was supposed to look futuristic. You know, that kind of thing. So I didn't take it all that seriously. And now they just brought that back and were like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what we think the downtown stadium would be like. And it's like, really? You 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 spent like you wasted like, I don't know, you, you had this. You already had this for like 10 months and now you're just kind of bringing it back. Or maybe it was like a full year. I don't remember when that thing was officially announced. But it's like, again, it's like, why? What has been taking so long when it seems like a lot was already set in stone anyway? Plus, they announced that the, that the location would be in East Village. Duh, everybody knew it was going to be in East Village. It's one of the places in downtown that actually makes sense. It's an area that J.E. Dunn owns. J.E. Dunn is one of the top names in Royals ownership and is, is kind of like the big reason why the, this stadium seems to be a thing in the first place. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I heard that the Royals wanted a new stadium back in 2019 when John Sherman took over. This is not new information. This is not news. And of course, the big reason for that is because J.E. Dunn, because why wouldn't they want to be involved with that? They're a construction company. So all of the East Village stuff is pretty obvious. Seems like stuff they could have drummed up in five minutes, and instead they waited like four years to get to this point. And then there's, of course, the North Kansas City sort of a like Diet Wrigleyville that they want to put up over there. And that looks a little bit nicer Let's let's be, be be real though. The renderings aren't going to be what the stadium actually looks like, and I do at least I certainly hope that they're not going to be what they're what they look like. And I I do hope that in the coming months and even years there will be some more open discussions with between the people and the team where we can say, hey, all right, if, if you're going to build a new Royal Stadium, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we want. Like, we, we need more fountains. Both of these sites, they don't have enough fountains. The downtown one has a fountain kind of like how Comerica Park in Detroit has a fountain. As in, no one cares. And then the one in North Kansas City at least tried to have a little bit more water, but it still just seemed like, eh. Again, it kind of had that, like, Windows Vista kind of vibe to it that just seems futuristic in an outdated sense, ironically. So we got to have more, we got to have more water. I... I just love Kaufman the way it is because it feels so much like a park. Like, it is the most park-like ballpark in all of baseball. Because you go there and it actually feels like you are in a park. Like, you're a part of nature. You go there, you hear the, the rushing water, you feel a cool breeze that it brings you. It's awesome. It's a fantastic and beautiful place for a baseball game. And, I, you know, I get it that this downtown stadium or wherever it's going to be, it's going to be more commercial to some extent it's not going to be called Kauffman Stadium it's probably going to be called I don't know I don't know Joe's Kansas City Stadium or something that would be kind of funny actually I, I wouldn't mind that <laughs> anyway I that that's the thing I care about the most I can actually live without crown vision that's a thing that I see a lot of people complaining about like oh it has to have crown vision you know what I'm good with crown vision I don't care about it that much it's kind of like like it's there and it's cool it stands out but at the same time, like I don't, I don't really think it does much for the games. It's kind of like wieldy and impractical. I mean, it's fine. I'm not necessarily saying that you know it shouldn't exist whatsoever. But I'm, I'm fine with it not existing as long as the rest of the park is okay. I think that's all I really have to say about this uh, new stuff. It's again not necessarily new information. I feel because a lot of it was stuff that was heavily speculated for several years until we got the the Clay County sort of thing. But even then, I'm not entirely sure how seriously the Clay County sort of thing like should be taken. Like I guess like it's an option, I suppose, but I still feel like it's much more likely that. The uh, downtown stadium in East Village will be the case. It just, it just, it has just always seemed like that would be their goal. And I don't know. There's lots of speculation that the Clay County stuff is just, you know, trying to pressure the city and like, you know, 
giving them what they it's, it's trying to pressure Jackson County into you know the people giving them what they want so, so that they don't say hey okay well just find a, a county that does want the new stadium or something like that political stuff I try not to get too involved with it although it is kind of important but I I try not to get too involved with it just simply because I don't really live in those areas so that's kind of you know other people's business cop out answer i know but you know what there's nothing worse than having an uninformed opinion for someone that isn't even affected by it personally that's just my take on it anyway you don't need the creepy overland park guy to talk to you about what has to happen in missouri just seems a little bit rude in my opinion anyway let's move on to a franchise favorite in Southside. so this is something that I think is really worth talking about. It doesn't specifically have to do with the Royals, but it could involve us pretty heavily. So I think, you know, if you listen to, if you hear about what's going on around baseball in general, you probably know that the White Sox are not very good, kind of bad, pretty disappointing, actually kind of a laughingstock in many ways this season. And so they, the 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 amazing, wonderful, um, very super highly respected owner of the Chicago White Sox finally did what they probably should have done like, I don't know, 15 years ago and fired their general manager, Rick Hahn. I think that's what his name was. Sorry if I got that wrong. Not all that invested in the White Sox, so I don't remember every team's general manager's name. Anyway, it actually was Rick Hahn. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they're getting rid of their front office. It seems like there is going to be a, a deep cleaning of that front office in Southside, and guess who is going to be a part of it moving forward? That's right. Dayton freaking Moore is going to be working for the Chicago Chicago White Sox. At least that's been that's what's been reported. I remember like seeing Bob Nightingale saying something about that. I don't know if it was ever like truly 100% confirmed, but it does seem like that is the plan. Also, Chris Getz is going to be in there. So we've got multiple... <laughs> You know, former Royals and Royals friends or whatever you want to call them going to the White Sox. If I had a nickel for every former Royals player that was now currently active as a general manager of a of a Major League Baseball team, I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that I have two of them. So yeah, Bob Nightingale uh, on Wednesday said that they're going to promote Chris gets to the general manager and Roy and Rangers executive Dayton Moore likely joining team as well. Now, let me be clear that none of this has been, you know, officially set in stone. It's just that this seems to be the likely scenario, kind of like how, you know, a while ago we heard that Mike Matheny was the likely next manager of the Royals. And I don't know what role Dayton Moore is actually going to have. It just, I just see key front office role. Maybe he could be the, the vice GM, the, the assistant GM for the team. Maybe he could, I don't, I don't even know what exactly he was doing with the Rangers specifically, but you know, he's still out there and it does seem like the, the White Sox won him for some reason. But the reason why I bring this up like at all in the first place is because I think that this really increases the odds of Salvi getting traded. We've already heard the rumors and basically the confirmation that the Royals actively tried, they actively attempted to trade Salvador Perez to the Marlins and that it was simply a matter of the deal falling through at the final hour. Maybe like a disagreement happened, but like within just a few months, the Royals went from Okay, we are never trading Salvador Perez. Literally stop asking us. We're putting a C on his chest to show you how adamant we are about keeping him on the team forever to, oh yeah, we actually like tried to trade Salvador Perez. We talked to him. He was okay with it. And uh, it almost happened in just a few months. Really fast development. And now, I mean, it was all, it was already said that the White Sox had an interest in Salvi. I had already heard that at some point this year. And it actually makes sense because the White Sox are not rebuilding despite how bad this season is. And look, we can criticize them all we want. It doesn't matter what makes sense to us. I'm just saying what has been said about this team, what others are saying about this team. The White Sox are not rebuilding. Doesn't matter how bad this season has been. They think that they they can still compete moving forward. They didn't trade everyone away. I mean, they traded some guys like Lucas Giolito, who's a free agent this season. But they didn't trade Dylan Cease. They didn't tra trade Luis Robert. So they think that they're going to compete moving forward. 
And what's really interesting about the White Sox in the immediate near future is they don't have a catcher. They do not have a catcher in their system, like, at all. Like, I looked at their all of their prospect lists. Like, I don't even know if they have, like, a notable catcher prospect in their system just at any level. It just seems like they cannot develop catchers. So, who have they been having catch for this season in the past several seasons? Yasmani Grandal. He was signed as a free agent in 2020 to a four-year deal. He's a free agent this offseason. Who replaces him? Definitely not anybody internally. Oh. Oh, look at that. Salvador Perez is under contract for a couple more years. Yeah. Suddenly kind of fits the timeline. The White Sox still think they have a couple years to contend. Yeah. Okay. And I've, you know, gotten into like some arguments about this because I've seen some people be like, okay, well, why would Salvi want to go play for the White Sox? The White Sox are a terrible organization. They're, they're, they, they just look awful right now. Why would he want to go there? And look, again, we don't have, this doesn't have to make sense to us specifically. I'm just saying what other people are saying. And one important thing for Salvi is that he's got people over there that he actually does really like playing for. Pedro Grifol is the manager over there. He really liked Pedro Grifol. There was some, you know, kind of off-season drama that we talked about, about how he, like, unfollowed the team from social media after Pedro Grifol went to Chicago. He didn't seem to like that he's not around anymore. Dayton Moore is extremely close to him. Again, we can... Talk about how bad Dayton Moore was for us, but for Salvi, that was a big deal. He was visibly devastated when Dayton Moore was fired. It was not an easy thing for him to process. I'm sure he doesn't like it. And look, I'm not saying that Salvi is playing in Casey depressed or anything. We've seen him. He's happy. He's he he. he you know, obviously he would prefer things to be better, but it's not like he's screaming, "Let me out!" I'm just saying. He's got some people in Chicago that he's really attached to. And look, at the end of the day, it's the Royals who are going to be making the call on this. The Royals get to decide whether or not they trade Salvador Perez, which they already have decided that they are absolutely open to. And to an extent, this does fall on Salvi's shoulders as well. Salvi has 10-5 rights. He can decline any trade. And if there's any team that he would like to play for, obviously it'd be Miami because he basically said so. But also... Chicago White Sox, with Pedro Grifol and Dayton Moore, probably. So, given the past events and just given the connections that are established, I am I was already thinking after the trade deadline that the chances of Salvi staying in KC and, you know, being on the opening day roster in 2024 had gone down to, like, 40%. Now I'm saying it's, like, a 20-80 chance that he actually stays in KC. I'm thinking it's actually really unlikely that he stays in KC because... There are now at least two teams that have to be interested in him and two teams that he would actually be willing to uh, be traded to. And again, not saying that this would be this would make sense for us. I mean, well, it would make sense for us, I guess. I understand the appeal of trading Salvi. I'm trying to say that I personally don't want to trade Salvi because I love Salvi. And man, let me tell you, I hate the White Sox. I have made this clear on, on past episodes. I do not like the White Sox. I hate that team. I hate that organization. I have been praying for their downfall. I have been manifesting it for the past couple of years. I have been the one to say, you know what? This White Sox core is not very good. I don't care how good their first half of 2021. I went into that postseason thinking, you know what? These guys aren't that good. They're going to get their asses beat by Houston. And then they did. They got their asses beat so hard. And I'm like, <laughs> And then the next season, everyone was like, oh, they're going to go to the World Series. I'm like, nah, no, they're not. And then they didn't. And then this season, everyone's like, oh, well, now with a new manager, now that La Russa's gone, they're, they're definitely going to be way better. I'm like, nah, they're bums. They ain't going anywhere. And now they're terrible. <laughs> I hate the White Sox. And I think that seeing Salvador, per Salvador Perez in a White Sox uniform, especially those stupid uniforms with the horizontal stripe that says socks on them, I think I might actually die more inside. If there's still a part of me inside that is still living, then that part is going to die. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be completely over for me internally. So I don't want it. I'm just saying it makes sense. There's evidence to support this. 
Oh, yeah, and by the way, despite, you know, the front office cleaning, whatever changes might be occurring in the White Sox world, it does seem like they want Pedro Grifol to say. That has been one thing, that has been one other thing that's been, like, heavily rumored, that Pedro Grifol is not going anywhere. They're going to stick with him through 2024, at least. Is that a good decision? I have no idea. I have no idea what about, I have no idea what has gone so wrong for them, despite me predicting that the White Sox wouldn't be a very good team. I actually have no idea why all of this is happening, and I don't know if it's Pedro Grifol's fault or not. I know the fans freaking hate him, so whatever. I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm just saying this all makes sense or something. I don't know how to tie this up. Let's just move on. Let's talk about Alec Marsh. Very interesting pitcher on the Royals. One of the most interesting pitchers that we have right now. Alec Marsh was a second round draft pick in 2019, I believe. And he's been one of our top pitching prospects for the past couple of seasons. His major league debut was highly anticipated by fans, especially those watching the minor leagues, um, which isn't even necessarily me, but you know, I hear you hear a lot. He's a guy you hear a lot about. And he's interesting because he's got major league stuff. That's one thing I will definitely say in his favor. Alec Marsh has major league stuff, but I it is becoming more questionable whether or not he can actually pitch in a major league rotation. The Royals have been using him as like a piggyback sort of guy with a with a with an opener. So some guy pitches an inning and then he comes in and pitches a few innings. And the reason why you would want to do this is because the theory for openers, so to speak, is that you allow your quote-unquote starting pitcher to start the game in the middle of the lineup. So the lineup, you know, it's constructed so that the best hitters are at the top. You bring in a reliever to deal with those better hitters at the top, then the starter comes in. And ideally, the, uh, the what would happen is that he's able to navigate through the bottom, through the middle of that lineup a lot better, and then he can kind of get into a groove. And so, you know, you always hear about third time through the lineup. You always hear that being mentioned as some big death flag for starting pitchers because, you know, the good hitters are coming back up again. They're going to see you for the third time. Well, now, third time through the lineup doesn't have as much, it's not as much of a threat because those top of the lineup hitters are not going to see you a third time unless you get like, you know, 22 batters in or so. Wait, what am I talking about? It'd be 25 when you uh, get to the first hitter again. Assuming you start with the fourth hitter. What an idiot I am. But in any case, that'd be like super late in the game. So you might be pulling that starter anyway. You might be going to the bullpen anyway. It's just kind of a, a unique counter to how lineups are traditionally built. So you do that for a guy who can throw 90 plus pitches on every fifth day and has major league stuff to get guys out, but again, just cannot really navigate through a lineup properly like an actual starting pitcher should. Now, the reason why this doesn't work for everybody, or rather the reason why they don't do this for everybody is because using an opener guarantees that you're going to use a reliever. And part of a manager's job is bullpen management, but not in the sense of like, oh, I'm just going to use the best reliever available. Ho, ho, ho. It's also the long-term management. Using a guy one day might mean that he's not going to be available for the next day, and maybe you will need him more on the next day. So using a reliever first inning automatically puts a minus one on the bullpen. Could hurt you down the line. So yeah, it's not ideal, but it could help some guys, you know, pitch deep into the games and, you know, get get some starters, some experience. Like, we, we want Alec Marsh to be a starter, but we know he can't make actual true starts. But we know he has the arm strength to start games, and he has major league stuff. He really does. He, he His last game was on, uh what, what day was it? Was it on Monday, I believe? It was against Oakland. He pitched 5.2 innings, gave up three runs, but had nine strikeouts. And look, Oakland's lineup, Sucks, but you can go back to some other starts. Seattle, five five innings, six strikeouts. He's a big strikeout guy. He is capable of pitching at the major league level. I am very confident in that. It's just a matter of will he be pitching in the rotation or the bullpen? And, you know, even with this piggyback sort of strategy, even with the opener strategy, whatever you want to call it, you know, he hasn't been super convincing, frankly. 
he's still walking a lot of guys that start against Seattle, even if we wanted to say that that was a like a good not 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 a not a start. Sorry, his appearance in Seattle against Seattle. Um, if we if we want to consider that to be a good one, you know, he only gave up one run, six strikeouts in five innings, but also five walks. And then on uh, on August tenth against Boston, five innings, two earned runs, three strikeouts, though, so not quite as dominant. Then and also two walks. And then the game in Oakland, three earned runs in five point two, only one walk, nine strikeouts, two home runs. Though it's like he ha- he he struggles with the walks, he struggles with the home runs, he gets the strikeouts, but then it's like there the, there hasn't been a single start where everything has really clicked into place. Maybe it's too early to tell because it's only been three outings so far. He has a 3.45 ERA in these outings, so it, it's not completely terrible. Maybe it is helping him. It's just a an observation, I suppose. But I do, re- again, I want to say Alec Marsh is going to be a major league pitcher. I'm confident in that. If he doesn't, if he if he flunks out of the rotation, if the if the opener strategy doesn't work for him, I do think that he's going to be one of those guys that is just an absolute nails reliever, kind of like uh, Wade Davis might be extreme because Wade Davis was kind of one of one, but like Andrew Miller, honestly, like mid 2010s Andrew Miller when he was with the Yankees, when he was with the 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 Indians, when they went to the World Series, he had some freaking outstanding seasons over there. Not quite Wade Wade bot levels of dominance, but still really, really freaking good. This is an evaluation year where I think the, the, one, the immediate goal is just to see who is actually usable moving forward. Who can we go into next season saying, all right, this is a guy worth keeping around on a major league roster. Alec Marsh is one of those guys. It's just not entirely clear which side of the pitching staff he will fall under. Hopefully he can stick it as a starter because... Even an average starter is better than a really, really good reliever, I think. But I'm going to pencil him in for the 2024 opening day roster. Just not sure where. And that's also going to be the case for the other guy that I want to talk about, Coke Reagans, who got that dog in him. He was a starter in the one game that we won against Oakland. Yay, we won a single game against Oakland. The Oakland Athletics, the 2023 Oakland Athletics might end up having the worst regular season record of all time. But if they don't, they should thank the Royals because they, for some reason, went 4-2 and against the Royals. Cool. Anyway, there's lots of uh, stuff. There's lots of there's lots of discussions about what could happen with a bunch of guys that are on the team right now. Salvi might be getting traded. There was a report that Brady Singer was almost traded. And I even hear some people have the audacity to suggest that Bobby Witt Jr. should be traded. Like, are you freaking kidding me right now, bro? Don't even get me don't don't, don't even get me started on that, okay? I'm not saying that Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be traded. I'm not even really saying anybody's going to get traded. Okay, Salvi's probably getting traded. But I'm just saying that I think there's lots of uncertainty with most of the guys on this roster right now. But I think if there's anybody that we can truly and genuinely say, okay, this guy's on the roster opening day 2024, it's Cole Reagans. Because he is just, like, like, like what a freaking gem the Royals have found in this guy. This is what we've always wanted to happen. Like, we, we, us armchair analysts, we sit there and we complain about the Royals. We find things to criticize to make ourselves look smarter because we're not the professionals. But if we can get one up on the professionals, if we can be right about something, well, then, hey, we might as well be professionals, right? Except we just do it for fun. <laughs> so when they traded for Cole Reagans, I'm like, okay, it's kind of like Jorge Lopez 2.0. They went with a guy who's major league ready, not a guy with upside that's what they do but then Cole Reagan's adds like I don't know five miles an hour of velocity to his fastball adds a slider to his repertoire and is just executing batters live on the spot and so this is where the Royals get to say all right idiot hey you you freaking fraud your stupid ass podcast was wrong so shut up and let the professionals work their magic okay bro go off you got me cole reagan is such a victory 
for the Royals. I am so glad that they have this guy. Like, seriously, I it's hard to not be so excited about this guy. And it's a good thing I didn't have a podcast about it's a good thing I didn't have a podcast right after his Boston start because I was like bouncing off the walls after that. I'm like, I, I can't believe this. This guy was so good against Boston. That was the start. He get, he uh, I think got 10 or 11 strikeouts in six innings, maybe like six plus. Um, he gave up a couple of runs, but still, it was just an outstanding freaking start. It was so good. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. Cole Reyes is going to be a future Cy Young winner. This is the best day ever. 6.2 innings, 11 strikeouts, one earned run, by the way. That was his line in, uh, in Boston. It was just so freaking good. And then the Cardinals start happened, and that humbled me. It was quite underwhelming, quite disappointing. So maybe that was something to look at. But then the end of the Cubs start was interesting. It was it was it was pretty good. It, it was good, just in a very interesting way. But now, you know, this start against Oakland, we're we're so back, baby. And look again, Oakland terrible. But the Royals lost two of three to them, so I don't know. Maybe they're a juggernaut when they face the Royals in particular. But also, you know, this is kind of what you would want your good pitcher to do to against the bad lineup. Six innings, no earned runs, no walks, two hits, eleven strikeouts. This is practically bullying. Frankly, he threw freaking 101 in this game, bro. Like, it was already impressive to see him throw like 97. How was he still adding? He's he's still adding velocity to his fastball. He threw 100 freaking one. What? Huh? How is he doing this? How is he improving this much? How does he continue to improve? Is the best still yet to come for Coke Reagan's? I don't know, man. Uh, let me shout out Curtis Siebold on Twitter. He posted a very interesting thing. Royals pitchers with multiple starts allowing two runs or fewer with at least 11 strikeouts before turning 26. All these specific criteria, but let's just list off the names. Brett Saberhagen. Brett Saberhagen. Sorry for butchering that a little bit. My mouth is just terrible. He had three. Giordano Ventura. He had three. Tom Gordon. He had two. Zach Greinke. He had two. Cole Reagans now has two, and he's made like five starts for the Royals. Six starts. Six starts. Sorry. Six starts, and he's already on this list of goats right here. Just incredible, dude. He's currently third in war, according to baseball reference. He's third in war, only behind Bobby Wood Jr. and Freddie Fermin, and he's made six starts. He's fifth in war or Fangraph's war behind Bobby Brady Singer. Yeah, actually, Brady Singer has like is like a two-war pitcher so far this season, funny enough. <gasps> Michael Garcia and Freddie Fermin. And he's thrown 34.2 innings for the Royals. Like, are you freaking kidding me, bro? I mean, let's just, let's just look at the raw numbers right here. 34.2 innings, 2.08 ERA, 1.79 FIP. How do you have a 2 ERA and a FIP that is lower than that? 2.6 walks per 9, 12.2 strikeouts per 9. That's a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 4.7. 4.7 if he qualified with these numbers, and he doesn't, obviously. It's a super small sample size, but still. Here are guys who have around a 4.7 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Luis Castillo. 4.73. Pablo Lopez, 4.78. And by the way, Pablo Lopez is 10th in baseball for strikeout to walk ratio. So, he's at the top basically. The strikeout to walk the, the strikeout ratio of 12.2 per 9 innings would only be behind Spencer Strider. That's it. That is his only competition for that. Let me shout out Pitcher List now because they had a blurb about him. The guy who runs Pitcher List um Frick, what was his name? Nick Pollock, or Polak, whatever, um, guy who runs Pitcher List. He's been raving about Cole Reagans basically since he came back up to uh, the Royals, basically since that Boston start. Anyway, um, across all 33 fastballs, 61% strike rate, he didn't allow a single one to be hit into play. Not one. A 45% called strike, sorry, 45% called strike plus whiffs with Five foul balls as the changeup, cutter, and slider all returned well over a 60% strikeout rate. 
a 60% strike rate. Pew, 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 he adds. Now he gets to face the Pirates and White Sox, and it's so fun to be hyped for a starting pitcher's routine uh, for a starting pitcher's routine starts again. So yeah, so not only is he, you know, just doing well as it is, but then he gets to go against bad offenses moving forward. So sure, you can say, well, he's playing a bad team. He played he played Oakland. Well, he's going to continue to play bad teams. So get used to it, buddy. I mean, I I don't want to be irresponsibly excited for Cole Reagans. I don't want to, you know, make any big grand statements about him. But it is really hard to not be excited about him because he is just doing everything right. If you think about, like, what a good starting pitcher should do, if you if you just, like, put into your head what, what does a good starting pitcher look like, I would say it's a guy who's, you know, capable of throwing 90 to 100 pitches every fifth day, maintains their velocity, at that uh, throughout the entire game. You know, if a guy throws 95 on the first pitch, I want him to throw 95 on the 100th pitch as well. And if he can throw harder than that, then that's even better. He goes after hitters in the strike zone. His stuff is missable, so he gets some strikeouts, doesn't walk a whole lot of guys, and obviously doesn't get hit a whole lot. And if you want to be especially super kawaii about it, add some spin to his pitches. And Cole Reagans is doing all of that. He has done all of that so far. He has all of the makings of not just a, you know, like a decent MLB pitcher, like like how we're talking about, like, oh yeah, Alec Marsh, he could be a decent MLB pitcher. No, we're talking like this could be the number one on a good team, on a good pitching staff. This is an ace right here, or he could be. Again, I don't I don't want to be irresponsibly excited because I've been irresponsibly excited about so many things before. Getting irresponsibly excited is how you say the Royals are going to win 84 games in 2022. Or, even better, irresponsible excitement is how you say they're going to win 76 games this season. So I don't want to put my expectations to the moon and then, you know, inevitably be disappointed later on. But again, just... Everything that he has done so far, basically since coming to the Royals, has just been so fantastic. It's like, can you blame me for not thinking such things? Is it it, like, is it, which is why I have to outsource some things. It's why I have to shout these other people out who are a lot smarter than me because they're, they're, they're saying this stuff instead. So it's like, okay, well, at least I'm not just being, you know, the, the, the hype fan, you know, the, the Homer bias kind of guy the biased homer kind of guy getting excited for, you know, one small sample size of cool stuff happening. The only things that I would, like, really worry about with Reagans is health, frankly. That's the only thing. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. How likely is it that he'll have a third? I have no idea. But frankly, like, you you might, you may as well say this with any other pitcher. I feel like any pitcher is just as likely to get injured because it's 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 a really difficult thing to do it's a really difficult profession guys just get hurt all the time justin verlander was considered to be immortal then he got tommy john then he came back and won a cy young again so who knows how can you i don't think you can actually predict injuries and aside from that the only other thing i would be concerned about is just how well would he hold up over a full season that's the only other thing i can think of we've seen him this good through 35 innings how good will he be after 135 innings, or hopefully more than that, you know? Like, we were excited about Danny Duffy at one point. He was throwing super hard. And then, you know, like, even in 2016, his velocity dipped as the season went along. The 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 toll, the workload took a toll on him. So that's, a, that's something else I would be a little bit concerned about with Cole Reagans, but that's not even, it's, again, it's not even entirely fair for him. He just has to prove that he either can or can't do it. We can't make assumptions based on all this. We just have to see it for ourselves. So we'll just have to see what happens around this time next season. But kind of like Alec Marsh, I think you can pencil in Cole Riggins as part of the pitching staff next season, no matter what happens to this team. And speaking of the future, we have a three-game series to talk about against the Seattle Mariners. But before we get into it, there's something that I've got to add to the show. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. 
We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So the Royals are going to play a familiar foe. They're going to play the Seattle Mariners. Again. But this time, it's in Seattle. So a really interesting thing about the Mariners is that when they came into KC, they were a little bit on the fringe side of the of the you know uh, playoff contention. They were like they were in the race, but not so definitively. Then the Royals won the first game of the series, and then the and then the Mariners went on an eight game winning streak. They won the rest of that three game series. They went into Houston and swept them. And then they had a three-game series against the White Sox. They lost the last game of that. So they lost on Wednesday, 4-5. to five. But this is uh, suddenly, like, the hottest team in baseball. Maybe one of the hottest teams in baseball. Yeah. Uh, J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez. He was like, having, like, an okay season. You know, just like, kind of like a like a passive sophomore slump. It wasn't as good as his rookie season. And then he had back-to-back four-hit games against the Royals. And then two more back-to-back games, back-to-back four-hit games against Houston. So he immediately, in a four-game stretch, just raised every number on his on his batting line by like 20 points or so. It's just insane. The dude has gone off. It's like he saw all the hype about Bobby Wood Jr. and was like, no, 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 no. I got to make this about myself again. I, I, I'm, I'm better I mean, I'm not saying Julio Rodriguez is better, but I just, I'm just saying that's what he was saying. So this can be a, another interesting series. I think the Mariners are a really fun team, lots of really fun talent on there. And we always seem to play pretty decently against Seattle, specifically in Seattle, I think. I think there was a, was it 2021? I think Salvi had back-to-back Grand Slams. I don't actually know if he had both of them in Seattle, but he definitely had back-to-back Grand Slams. In two in, in in a grand slam in back to back games, and at least one of them was, was in Seattle. Uh, I think the Royals also had the oh, that wasn't in Seattle, but they had that you know, like 11 run comeback <laughs> against the Mariners last season. That wasn't in Seattle, though, that was in KC. Still, um, really funny. So on Friday, the Mariners are going to send out Bryce Miller for their starting pitcher. He's a 25 year old righty who. 25, he, he turned 25 two days ago, actually. He's a fourth-round pick in 2021. So, based on his age, you wouldn't think he's actually that old. Or, but, 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 old draft guy, I suppose, if that's the way to putting it. Whatever. It's, this is his rookie season. He was just called up this season, and he's doing pretty well. 3.78 ERA and 97.2 innings pitched so far. He has a very low whip. 1.014 whip with only a 7... 7.3 hits per nine and 1.8 walks per nine. So that's pretty good. Though the low hits are interesting because he actually gets hit hard and barreled often. So he has an expected ERA of 4.3. We'll have to see how uh, this goes. He throws a four-seamer 62% of the time at 95 and also occasionally mixes in a slider, sweeper, and sinker. The Royals are going to send out Brady Singer who was really bad in his last time out. 3.2 innings pitched, four earned runs versus Chicago, but his start before that was against Seattle, where he went 7.1 innings and only gave up two hits. He had a no-hitter taken into the seventh and gave up two runs, but I believe both of those were just inherited runners that Angel Zerpa allowed to score. So not entirely his fault, and he struck out eight. So it was a very, very good start. On Saturday, the Mariners are going to bring out Logan Gilbert. He's one of those pitchers drafted in that wonderful draft class that we all love to talk about. That's right. He was the 14th overall pick in 2018. He's 26-year-old righty with a 3.77 ERA so far, 148 innings pitch, 1.074 whip. So he's also got a pretty low whip thanks to an 8 point, just a flat 8 hits per 9 and 1.6 walks per 9. He also has 8.9 strikeouts per 9, so that makes him 6th overall in the in the strikeout to walk ratio with with 5.41 so really solid pitcher right here nothing like and and he's not outperforming his peripherals or anything like this is exactly how good he 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 should be he throws a four seam slider curveball and a splitter 
Interesting. A little bit of a rare pitch right there. The Royals are going to bring out Jordan Lyles. Yay! Who knows what will happen with Jordan Lyles? I, I, I get excited for Jordan Lyles because you just you just never know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's always so fun. His last time out, he had a complete game. Eight innings, four earned runs. A complete game loss. Hooray! But his, his start before that was against Seattle. And he went five innings, gave up six earned runs. Oh. Well, uh, hopefully this woman will be better. And on Sunday... The Mariners are going to bring out Luis Castillo. He's their supposed ace, a 30-year-old righty who was traded from Cincinnati last season, and then he got extended through 2027. So his first season in this extension, he has a 3.15 ERA and 157.1 innings pitched. Pretty good. And um, he also has a really low whip. I guess that's a thing for this entire rotation. 1.036 only gets hit 7.2 per nine. That didn't make any sense whatsoever, but I'm going to run with it. 2.1 walks per nine and 10 strikeouts per nine. He's got a four-seamer that clocks in at 96 and then mixes in a slider, sinker, changeup. Nothing too complicated, but they're good pitches. And the Royals are going to send out... I don't know. Uh, There's no probable pitcher listed. It could be the Alec Marsh piggyback again. That would make sense given the rotation at this point. Or they could just say, F it, and go with Zach Greinke. Because Zach is back. And he actually had a, a decent handful of innings against Oakland. Actually struck out a few guys, so who knows? Maybe the 3,000 dream is still alive? I don't know. Could be. He probably doesn't care all that much, so <laughs> maybe we shouldn't either. Maybe the 3,000 strikeouts were the friends we made along the way. He is now fourth all-time in baseball history for most batters struck out. So that's pretty cool. Or rather, specifically, fourth most unique hitters struck out, if that makes sense. He struck out a lot of guys, but he's also struck out a lot of different guys. Even I've been struck out by him. Because I played first base with the New York Yankees. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, that's about it. That's all I got for you today. I think I'm going to head on out and let you enjoy your weekends. So... If you enjoyed the podcast, then I would I would really appreciate it if you left a rating, left a review on whatever podcast platform you choose to listen to this on, and also subscribe or follow along for updates about future episodes. Get them sent directly to you, directly to your house, through your door. We actually can't do that, but that would be pretty cool. I, w I want to annoy as many people as I possibly can to have them listen to my opinions and just like i don't know nod so, so that they can politely nod and then tell me i'm right so that i eventually stop talking but i won't i won't i'm sorry also follow me on twitter at the mfnkc or at royal deluxe pod for actual baseball stuff and further inquiries can be sent to royal deluxe podcast at gmail.com ask me a question give some feedback whatever you want i would love to hear from you but if you don't do any of that no hard feelings i love you all the same Thank you very much for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I really appreciate that you made this podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one, or will have a good one. I'll see you on Monday. Till then, I've been Lux, and go Royals!